Hello everyone. I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. <laughs> bad idea. Bad <laughs> start. Off to a bad start. Off to a bad start. Really hurt. That really hurt. <laughs> Can't do it. How do the metal singers do that? Uh, lots of whiskey and ciggies. Yeah. But you know, you can get coaching for it. Hello everyone. I'm uh, Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah. Not Phil or Grant. No, I am Mitchell Mitchell. Mitchell Mitchell. Yeah. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hello, everyone. Sorry, we've got off to a weird, strange energy again. <laughs> Welcome to the first Horrordale Media podcast. I know. It's our first Horrordale Media podcast. It's our third in Halloween sort of season since we started doing this sort of recording business. Mm-hmm. Um, and wow. We're, we're firing on all cylinders this year. <laughs> yeah. Once again, we've got everything in front of us. Yeah. Um, as, well, when you hear this, we would have already come out with several of our 31 Days of Horror extravaganzas. Yeah, we're in week two now. Week two now. Um, we've done this, well, we, we now have a new member of uh, Hollowdale Media in the, in the Grave Digger. Yes, absolutely. Um, who I'm hoping most of you would have met. Uh, yeah. Yes, if you haven't seen any of our uh, daily horror homages in our 31 Days of Horror, do check us out on Instagram or YouTube. It's all on the main YouTube channel now. I thought about doing a little switcheroo with our YouTubes. Last year we put the daily horror uh, videos on Holodell Media 2 because I didn't want to clutter the main channel. But sod it. I'm going to put it in the main channel now. Yeah. And I'm going to move the podcast onto Holodell Media 2. Cool, nice, like it. So I'm just doing a little little experiment just to sort of see where we end up. So yes, if you haven't watched any of it yet, do check us out on YouTube and again our Instagram at Hollowdale Media. We're posting our daily videos there. And you can meet the grave digger as well. You can meet the grave digger. So we I mean we're not gonna go we're not gonna get too ahead of ourselves, but how are we gonna top the grave digger next year? We're gonna need an entire I don't know, a mental asylum? We're gonna need to go <laughs> to an abandoned mental asylum where we will die. Yeah. yeah, well, we could find a haunted mansion or something. Yeah, um, but we'll stay in the present. Uh, <laughs> what have we got on the show for our spooky fans today? Well, for our spooky fans, uh, we've got an interview with Sam Haynes, a very talented music producer that we've kind of worked with. We've used his music in our last couple of horror films. Yeah, yeah, relentlessly. Including Quaggers. Didn't actually mention that in our interview, but he uh, he's the background music and some of that yeah we, we love him we love him he's now an honorary member so to speak <laughs> absolutely so yes we've got a nice chat with him about the movies that have influenced him and us as well uh we've got uh the first of our halloween picks for our movie discussion yeah and this is one you've been hammering on at me to watch for ages i bloody love it it follows it's a great film. Um, it's a very uh, unique sort of idea. Um, I, you know, I really, really enjoyed it. So, uh, yeah, off to a good start. I'm looking forward to talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got uh, the usual Fortnite Schmort Night featuring a very loved man getting punched in the head, which we're not happy about at all. Oh, what? Yeah, it's not good, not good. Um, and then, yeah, whatever else. Whatever <laughs> else. All the same gubbins as usual. Uh, but before we get into all that, Robert. Yeah. What have you been watching lately? Oh, uh, I watched Heathers. Um, 1991, I think. Um, if I'm wrong, forgive me. Uh, Christian Slater, uh, Winona Ryder. Um, it's a classic uh, movie, a classic high school movie about um, 
they uh, get fed up of a very bully kind of um, cheerleader bitch character who's kind of making uh, the nerds' lives misery in the school. And then she kind of bullies them. And um, they accidentally kill her. Um, Okay. They go to give her a cup of bleach. They change their mind and they just pour out um, another cup of juice to give her. But they accidentally swap the cups around and end up murdering her. Is it a comedy? It is. It's a comedy. It's a weird one. It's kind of got the same... Uh, sort of uh, soul to it as something like the craft does in in the terms of it's okay, it's, yeah. it's, it's funny but it's mainly like um, entertainment I suppose drama um, and they write a suicide note for this um, asshole that they've killed and it ends up inspiring the entire high school and then uh, they end up like, killing more people and so forth okay. and writing more suicide <laughs> notes and it's um. It's a brilliant film. I'm, I'm surprised. It, I mean, it is a cult film, but I'm surprised not more. It's not more well known. Yeah, I've not really, seen it. I've... Really good. It's sort of where Christian Slater, I think, first received his heartthrob status. Okay, okay. I've I've heard the name. It's not. I'm familiar with it. I just haven't actually sat down and watched it. The thing in my head is, I'm picturing Mean Girls. Is that wrong? No, no. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. It draws, it draws, there's even a. There's even a. Um, what would you? What are they called? The pink, pink ladies. No, that's an apple. Yes, that's <laughs> on Wednesdays we wear pink or whatever. Oh, is. I see. Oh, uh, like the, the, the clique. I, call, I call them the cheerleaders. Yeah, so the clique. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. there's a clique of, um, and the leader is the sort yeah. of um, Rachel McAdams uh, bitch one. The, is, the Cordelia for yeah, our Buffy the, fans. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the one who they off. Okay, okay, um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and it's nice. Really, really good. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, I'll find it at some point. I'm sure. Uh, I started doing my daily on top of our films and stuff i've been trying to watch daily horror films nice uh watch freddy versus jason the other ah, day. so good <laughs> it's so so the thing is freddy versus jason is a really good nightmare on elm street story see i haven't seen it since i was a teenager and the only bit i remember is the really ridiculous bit where freddy creeps into jason's nightmare and then bashes him around yeah, the room yeah. and he just goes flying that's, ridiculously that's dumb that's really dumb. I remember the first time I watched it being very much on Freddy's side. Really? Because Jason's... A pest. What He just oh. He's unkillable, so he's like, he's the thing you have to take down. But actually, watching it again, and having relatively recently refreshed my memory of all of the Friday the 13th, I sort of feel sorry for it, so I'm more on Jason's side. Right, no, fair enough. Although Freddy is still, up and away, one of the best slasher, bit, slasher icons of all time. Mm. And is fun, yeah. Which is a really key thing. The, very key that he's uh, a child murderer. Good. That I like that they've kind of installed that. Not he's, he's not the other thing. Not the other thing. Yes. So you can still like him. Yes. Yeah. Which, which is a weird thing to say. Well, I think that's crucial, and I don't like that they went the paedophile route. To be honest with you, because well, I know what I know why they did it is to make him scary again. Because they over the eighties, Freddie became. A silly mascot is doing rap videos and stuff. Yeah, there must be another way. Come on, because you want to, uh, with serial killers, you want to kind of be not real ones. <laughs> for God's sake, people, not real ones. Oh, but be, me, there's a lot of fans. I know there. there are. I know there are. It's really annoying. But with, with people like Freddy Krueger and like Jason and Michael and Ghostface, you want to be kind of like a little awed by them. And if you make them a paedophile, 
then you can't enjoy their presence. Well, I think that was the idea. They were going for the, yeah. look how evil he is. They have to defeat him. Whereas the originals, it was a bit more like, this is just fun. Yeah, absolutely. This is just fun to watch what happens. Yeah, so that was a good one. I mean, it's it does suffer still from that very early noughties kind of... When was it? When was it? Uh, it was yeah, it was early tens. It was naughty. No, it was naughty. Yeah, it it, it it looks like it and it feels like it because of kind of the stuff the characters are talking about. But it fun. Yeah, it's really good. Um, also, Bordello of Blood. I'll be reviewing that because that's so good. I'm annoyed you beat me to that because I've been wanting to watch that for months. So good, and it's Tales from the Crypt as well, which I love. So yes, it's uh, yeah, it's been a fun, a fun little week. Good. Should we get into it? Let's get into it. Oh. With our new spooky theme. Spooky Halloween Film Reviews Tales from the Crypt, Bordello of Blood, 1996 From a secret grave In a distant land Hell's Madam has risen again And now she's back in business At the Bordello of Blood where customers go in. Evening, boys. This is deep. But they don't come out. Mr. Gutman, have you found my brother yet? He and a friend of his evidently went to a local brothel. Are you ready? Welcome to a new chapter in terror. At least now she'll know what's eating him. She is. <laughs> Lucy, I'm home. Let's party. It will come as no shock to our regular listeners that Tales from the Crypt has a special place in my heart. Originally a pop horror comic from the 50s, the series eventually found mainstream success in the 90s with its dark comedy horror anthology series of the same name. The premise was simple. A hauntingly familiar figure known as the Crypt Keeper, voiced to perfection by John Cassir, welcomes in the audience, tells a few ghoulish puns and introduces the story for the week often involving some sort of misunderstanding, occasionally some nudity, and most definitely some gruesome effects and dark humour. Enter Bordello of Blood. Developed as a postgrad project by Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis of Back to the Future fame, Bordello of Blood sat undeveloped for 20-odd years before being snatched up by Universal Pictures after the surprising success of the first Tales from the Crypt movie, Demon Knight. Directed and developed for stream by Gilbert Adler, Bordello of Blood opens on a group of treasure hunters deep in a lost forest. Their leader, Vincent, played by Phil Fondacaro, is searching for a hidden treasure, an ancient being buried deep within a cave. The creature's name? Lilith, mother of all vampires. 
Despite the protests of his fellow adventurers, Vincent is able to restore the creature to life, its body transforming into the form of a breathtaking human, which just happens to be Angie Everhart. Yeah. Back to civilization, we introduce the Kathrian, played by Erika Elenak, a Christian do-gooder at odds with a rebellious metalhead brother Caleb, played by Corey Feldman of all people. After an argument, Caleb storms out, never to be seen again. Worried for her brother's safety, Catherine goes to the police, but her plight falls on deaf ears. Well, except for one man, Rafe Gutman, played by Dennis Miller. A flirty, cocksure private investigator on his last legs, Rafe sweeps in with an offer to find Catherine's brother, kicking off the story. Rafe's trail leads him to a funeral home where, after eventually forcing his way in, Rafe is stunned to discover it's a front for a brothel, no, a bordello. Inside, men are lured into the private rooms with a host of beautiful naked women who, you guessed it, are only flipping vampires. Sensing the danger he poses soon turn on Rafe, attempting to hunt him down and kill him before he's able to expose the truth. In no time at all, we see our hero facing up against the forces of evil, but will he survive Lilith's seductive charms, or will he become just another victim of the bordello of blood? I absolutely loved this film. This is everything I love about comedy horror. Sharp, witty dialogue combined with over-the-top action and some brutally glorious effects work. At the time of release, Bordello of Blood was burnt by the critics, who presumably expected much more horror than comedy. Where the film works as a cult classic now is presumably where the film just doesn't hold back. Glorious and brutal death scenes mixed with scantily clad women, each swapping puns like it's a particularly rare and erotic episode of Have I Got News For You. I'm just going to say it now, and you can judge me later, I applauded this film. I clapped and cheered like an American in a theatre. I'm not ashamed. The scene with the squirty... Man, I love it. Don't expect a Citizen Kane from Bordello of Blood. It's essentially an hour and a half, the second chunk of From Dust Till Dawn, suspiciously released in the same year. It's an episode of Tales from the Crypt through and through, complete with stilted porn star acting and protagonists you're not sure if you want to push in front of a train or take home to meet the parents. It's on Netflix right now, add it to your October film playlist and watch it this spooky season. If nothing else, consider it an excellent way of forcing your parents to leave the room. Go for it! send you. Boy, it isn't enough for me to go in. The stupid ass is to send someone to try and scare me, too. Who does he think I am? I'm good enough for his gang. Why should I go and take pictures of zombies and stuff? Hold it. What do you mean, zombies? Zombies. You know, undead flesh-eating creatures of the night? From the graveyard the house is built on? That's why it's haunted? Come on, everyone knows the stories. You're not from around here, are you? No. And it's dangerous here. You should go home. What? Are you kidding? There's no way I'm backing out now, so you can either help me or stay out of my way. Fine, but I'm using the front door. 
Hey, wait up! Welcome to Fortnite Schmort Night. And, um. 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 Legendary actor Rick Moranis was attacked in New York City what? last Thursday. Moranis was reportedly taking a stroll down West 70th Street and the city's upper west side. Where a man ran. Who was that? Who was he from? Where was he from? I don't know. I don't know what that was. I don't know. I don't know what that was. Wait a minute. I'm a family I'm a mad postman. Okay. Oh. And I, I'm David Lynch. <laughs> David Lynch punched Rick Moranis in the face. Oh no, he didn't. There was a cherry pie on the crow, and I said, "Why is it raining?" Mittens. <laughs> anyway, where okay, a man. Punched, David Lynch didn't punch. David Lynch didn't. <laughs> David David Lynch didn't punch, punch Rick Moranis. Okay, okay, all right. Just um, so we're clear, <laughs> a, a random man punched Rick Moranis in the head. Moranis sustained injuries to his head, back, and hip. Um, he's nothing sacred. Oh my god! What's it that? that what is happening to this planet? If you can punch the gatekeeper, yeah, key holder, the 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 oh, man no, who shrunk no. the kids, yeah, mm. but he's such a lovable man. He is, and it's he's he's been absent for too long as well. Yeah, he's, but as a result of some tragic things, mm. um, he's you know he's a wonderful, wonderful uh, person, and to have what? Why? I don't know why. It's probably just be- It's that, like, oh, as a celebrity, I'm going to do something silly. Maybe he wasn't even reckoning. Maybe he was just a random man. I mean, maybe. Upper West Side is normally quite nice. I mean, the the Avengers are being called are angry. Chris Evans, uh, Captain America, was saying it's made, <laughs> it's made his blood boil. Oh, my he, God. He tweeted, this makes my blood boil. Find this man. Oh, my. Nobody touches Rick Moranis. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Let's get them all. That's what united the Avengers. Someone punched Rick Moranis. That's after. That's what they're avenging. Everyone was curious about it. Yeah. um, (laughs) And then it kind of fixed things after Civil War. They're like, well, we do hate that guy who punched Rick Moranis. Mm -hmm. So let's Mm -hmm. be friends again. The supervillain of our time. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Marvel, um, got some Marvel news here, but it's cool. I like the sound of this. Um, the next instalment of the Tom Holland Spidey series will have Jamie Foxx returning as Electro, if reports are to be believed. Um, spoiler alert for anyone who... Spoiler alert. Uh, this, is, what, what? this is concerning uh, Far From Home. So, And it's about the post-credits scene. So if you haven't seen it, mute now. Um, so J.K. Simmons reprised his role as J. Jonah Jameson. Yes. Uh, Much-loved character from the Tobey Maguire trilogy. So they got him in. Um probably not related to the Spider-Verse thing but um, I'm pretty sure from what I've read that Jamie Foxx reprising his role as Electro is because Electro in the comics he had a universe jumping oh, capability didn't know that that's interesting so that opens up a realm of possibilities I guess it's up to them to how far they want to take it I mean um, we could see Andrew Garfield is obviously in that universe um, but could they push it further could they get Tobey Maguire back could I'd- they get Bruce Campbell back yes I think so. Has every role at the same time. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's definitely something like people, like long-running fans of the Spider-Man movies, if not the co- obviously the comics. That'd be something people would absolutely love to see. Hmm, that's interesting. I think they're working on the Spider-Verse 2 as well, so I think maybe they'll 
that will spread out into the live action films I, maybe I hope so and that's kind of like that's fan service I like I mean like um, sometimes nostalgia is used badly but um, that's kind of like yeah we're really doing you a solid here and we're kind of mm. giving you something you could only imagine the only thing and I saw this someone tweeted this on the, on, on the tweeters uh, many good point Spider-Man's got a really really massive uh, hall of villains and we've only had a smattering. And we've only had a... And, we, and to bring them back again? That, uh, yeah, I sort of get the point. It's There's so many things they could develop. Yeah. And to bring someone back who wasn't even brilliant the first time around. Well, that, I was reading about that and um, he wasn't utilised, uh, Jamie Foxx. No, like, I guess. Um, that's true. He was a great character, but the poor, the kind of ploddiness of it all kind of, um, I think, weighed the character well, down. I remember he was in like every trailer and I... My memory of the film is that he barely shows up. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see what happens. Moving on to big, big breaking news. I can confirm that Idris Elba is going to fight a lion. Oh my god. You heard it here. Probably not first. Um, (laughs) We all wanted it. We just didn't know it. Okay. Some genius uh, named Janie Primark Sullivan. Primark. (laughs) Sounds a lot like Primark. Primarché. Primarché, Primarni. Um, so so there was an original idea via him, um, and it went uh, past the Rampage writer Ryan Engel, who has apparently written a script for it. <laughs> so this is a rawsome idea. Oh, no, shut up. Quite literally pitched as The Shallows, but with a lion. <laughs> this film is sure to become the pride... Get shut up. Of 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 Elba's showreel, the film is called Beast, and although the main shut up event is still ages away, and the film is still in early stages of pre-production, we can definitely be sure. But this movie will be the cat's meow. Sh- shut up! Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> now it's funny that um, I'm, there's no more puns. It's joining um, the ranks of Liam Neeson versus the Wolf. It is. That's what people are saying. He's becoming he's becoming the new man versus what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is great. Okay, um, okay. So, tell me, man, an actor versus an animal that you want to see. We've seen Jason Statham versus Shark. Yeah, we have. We're gonna get Sam um, Sam Avatar against Shark with Killer Whale. Uh, uh, Sam Worthington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's coming. Um, I would like um, to see uh, Ian McKellen versus uh, a, a, a rabid stag. <laughs> okay, yeah, um, like it. But obviously Ian McKellen's getting on a bit, so he's going to be like CGI. cybernetic. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. We've... I was thinking like CGI Well, Ian versus a real well, rabid. Well, come on. We've never actually had um, a British thespian be a robot cyborg fighting a rabid deer before. So it's, um, it's definitely something people need to look into. Okay. Um, what about Martin Freeman versus a spider monkey? <laughs> But a really big one. A really big one. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, a spider monkey. Oh, bugger. That's the film. Uh, uh, hang on, there's more. Uh, who's the guy in End of the... Alex Lawfer. Right. Versus... Who's Alex Lawfer? End of the effing world. Ghost oh stories. yeah, 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 yeah. Versus um, a horde of rats. Yeah. Tony Collette versus a minky whale. Whoa. 
but uh, she she's Tony Collette is a whaler. Um, <laughs> it's a modern day retelling of Moby Dick, and Tony Collette is Ahab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Chris Hemsworth versus termites. Because he's really butch, so he, he would fight an animal, but... They things, shrink him down! They shrink they him shrink, down! He's really strong and he's in the termite nest! <laughs> Dave, the termites have stolen a blood diamond that will end a civil war. And Chris Hemsworth has to shrink himself down to termi- termite size to get it, because if they just break open the termite's nest, um, why? Um, the blood diamond will be disappeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go on the ground. He has to sneak in and get it before the termites sneak oh, it out. I like it. Samara Weaving... Yeah. Versus... Ostriches. Ostriches. Yes. <laughs> yes. Ostriches. Ostriches. Um, <laughs> hang on. Uh, we, we, uh, name me um, Australian act- actors and actresses. Um, Russell Crowe. Uh, Russell Crowe. Um, so there was an emu war, wasn't there, in Australia? There was a genuine oh, emu yes. war. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Film about that. Oh, Hugh um, Jackman. Hugh Jackman, Russell Crowe. Um, Samara Weaving and Margot Robbie. A double team. A double team. Um, big, ooh against emus perfect we can move on now I think we've done I think we've done it justice um, Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> versus, versus penguins versus, <laughs> versus oh, I was going to say the bear revenge from the revenge yeah. the re- revenge move he on goes to, he goes to the he, I'm sorry he goes up to Canada and there's a, polar, a rogue polar bear comes down from the North Pole he thinks he's got rid of his bear problems he's only replaced it for the largest bear in the world and then he can kick a penguin yeah. off an iceberg Keanu Reeves versus all the goats yeah. <laughs> every single goat whoa station <laughs> right we're gonna leave it we're gonna leave it alright Scream 5 yes has continued filming despite that infuriating bastard coronavirus turning up on set and infecting three of its crew members. Three? I thought it was like 19. Oh, God. Has there been some sort of grisly update? I don't know. I, I, I got three on the uh, the thing I was reading. Maybe they were suspected and the only three people got it. Oh, maybe, maybe yeah. Um, this news actually provides a tiny little bit of insight into the way film crews are currently handling COVID. Like They, um, they were not in the film crew's primary pod. Okay. Okay, so they were so that namingly includes actors and directors, meaning they were inessential and disposable. Oh, that's how the film industry works. <laughs> so more importantly, film can continue without them. So if a primary member of the cast and the crew were to have caught it, uh, like Robert Pattinson did in Batman, um, it would have been a different story. They'd have had to halt the, the uh, production. Um, but for the time being, Ghostface may not be nigh on invincible like so many of his horror peers. But there's one thing that's not ending his spree, and that's COVID-19. So props to you, Ghostface. Well done. Very good. So concludes Fortnite Schmort Night. Hooray! They're still here. They're after us. They know we're still in here. They're after the place. They don't know why. They just remember. Remember that they want to be in here. What the hell are they? They're us, that's all. There's no more room in hell. What? Something my granddaddy used to tell us. You know Makumbo? Voodoo. Granddad was a priest in Trinidad. 
used to tell us, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. Nick's Game Reviews Return of the Obra Dinn Developed by Lucas Pope, creator of Papers, Please, Return of the Obra Dinn is a puzzle adventure game set in 1807 aboard the East India Company vessel the Obra Dinn. The ship has returned after going missing for five years, with no souls alive, and it is your job to figure out what happened. Using a device called a memento mortem, which kind of looks like a pocket watch, you relive the events surrounding a person's death. You study each scene and figure out why they died, with the game requiring you to complete a ledger confirming how each crew member of passenger passed away. Simple and effective. When you start a game that is as hyped as this, I mean it's very rare that an indie game wins as many awards as Return of the Obra Dinn did, you do tend to have some preconceptions and this often, despite your best efforts, sets your expectations high and your forgiveness quite low. However, nothing, and I mean nothing, prepares you for Oberdin. It's difficult to talk about why this game is so intriguing and unique, because it all revolves around the story. The gameplay is perfectly functional, the premise is so simple and yet full of depth, somewhat similar to Papers, Please in that regard. The art style is flipping brilliant, it's quite reminiscent of early Macintosh computers and their one-bit monochromatic look. The music is amazing, like seriously, actually amazing. I've been listening to it on repeat since playing the game, it's almost addictive, and it's all on YouTube, so go check it out. Also, the game ticks my adult gaming requirement box. It took me about three hours to complete, and at a time when I'm also moving house, busier at work than I've ever been, and looking after a pregnant other half, that was possibly the most welcome of surprises. So, would I recommend Return of the Obra Dim? Yes, probably more than any other game that I've ever reviewed on Hollowdale Media. Hello creeps, it's the Gravedigger here. If you aren't already watching the Horrordale Media Boys 31 Days of Horror, check out their YouTube channel. It's easy to find, just search for Hollowdale Media. Or follow them on Instagram and watch their daily videos. You'll even see me in the flesh. Well, what's left of it anyway? So if you're not already subscribed to their YouTube, I bet you'll be dying to know what's going on. So subscribe now and rest in peace tonight. Adam! Yes, Rob? Um, where would our movies be and all of our things and so forth without music? Music is very key. Music is half, with films, especially the stuff we do, it's half of the character, I think. Yeah. Especially uh, to least. get those tones across and those silly, silly little moments. Hmm. Silly little moments. They carry an entire character of a film. Yes, I'd say film. so. So yeah, so that, that brings <laughs> us on to our guest. Yes, indeed. So uh, for this episode of the podcast, we've brought in someone who is kind of like a secret member of the team, though he hasn't known about it that much until very recently. Uh, we've, uh, for the last hmm, three years, is it? 
Yeah, three years. Two two years was Corvus. Corvus was two years ago. Yes, it was. So for the last two years, whenever we do our little, uh, especially when we do our little horror films, we use the music of a Mr. Sam Haynes. And speaking of, he's right here. Hello, Sam. Hello, and a happy October Halloween Eve to you. Absolutely. <laughs> the, the month of Halloween. Indeed. We, we have a whole month of Halloween. You can't just have one day. You've got to build up to it. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, so Sam, you're, I realise it's probably not your real name, but we'll run with it because I, I understand the pun. <laughs> it's yeah, one of those things you, you come up with and then, and then you, you sort of get stuck with and you think, I wish I hadn't picked that. So it's, it's cool. <laughs> I like the pun. Well, I, uh, so where did that spring from? Was it from your love of horror in general? or? Yeah, um, I, was, um, I, I used to be a DJ. Um, and I used, used to put on Halloween parties. This is going back to the late 90s, because I'm, I'm getting on a bit now. <laughs> um, and I started doing mashups, and I was quite, a, quite big on the mashup scene for a while. And I always used to put out these Halloween albums every year um, for about six years until 2012. And they're called Monster Mashup. They're still going, and they were really popular. Um, and I, I kind of got bored doing mashups. Um, and I moved on to making my own music. And I thought, what sort of music can I make that I really love? And I love horror films. So I thought, why not start making some horror music? So that's how I started doing that back in 2012. And I've released an album every year since then. I kind of, the first album, I couldn't really play music. So it's kind of a bit naive. And then I, I, get, I get more into it um, throughout the years until now. And I think this year's one's probably the best one we've done. I've got some uh, a great guitarist on it. Uh, he's he's been around for a long time. He's been with a couple of really high-profile bands, and um, we're really trying to push the boundaries a bit with this new one. So that's what yeah, we're no, it's it's fantastic. And actually, last year's one I thought was incredible as well. Last year's was more <laughs> of a sort of dark wave synthy kind of feel. Yeah. This one's got a, a a kind of mixed feeling. I think I was I was playing. Um, I think possibly my favourite track on it is uh, Contagion. I was playing it. Yeah, hard, everyone likes was, that one. I was saying it's got a War of the Worlds vibe about it as well as everything else. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Because what happened was we recorded it in lockdown, so we didn't actually see each other. And Gary mm. lives about four roads down, but we didn't get together in his studio because it's small. Yeah. Um, and we've been doing it over the summer, so everyone was like panicking about the corona and stuff. So he, um, he did the guitar parts for me. I sent the tracks off to him. And I wasn't expecting, like, I was expecting a few chords and a few things to mix in. He did this kind of War of the Worlds guitar part, and I thought it was amazing. Mm, so yeah, that's awesome. I mixed it all in, and I, I don't think he did, but he did try to make it sound like War of the Worlds, but it certainly turned out that way, so I was well pleased. Well, back in June, I mean, it was hard not to think of anything else. It creeped into the music. Well, yeah, exactly. We well, the didn't we? We listened to the War of the Worlds entire yeah, we were, back yeah. to front whilst we were working <laughs> from home. It's a brilliant album, isn't it? No, oh, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, and it's when I was a kid, we used to listen to it on the dad's stereo. And when you got to um, the bit with the bass guitar, you go, do, 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 that bit, <laughs> I was used to freak out. Yeah, it's yeah, the scariest yeah, yeah. thing. But side four, they sit down, but the rest of it's absolutely brilliant. It's the narration of the, the leather-faced creature emerge from yes. yeah. So we've, <laughs> we've talked a bit on, on Twitter, me and Sam, we're best buds, uh, We've got a lot in common with our <laughs> horror kind of 
influences and likes and passions. Um, I mean, not many people have seen it, but they should of the Ghoulies films. Yeah, aren't they great? Well, there's a massive influence on Quaggers, <laughs> which goes about yeah, saying. Ghoulies <laughs> <laughs> uh, free, Ghoulies Jedi College being gold standard, I think. I think that's the one where they really hit their stride. They worked it out, um, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, the first two were like Charles Band productions, and I always fi- find that he. He kind of is a bit slow. Some of his films were a little bit slow. Mm. Two, two kind of picked it up a bit. And I like the carnival setting. That was nice and yes. jolly. And, and uh, Royal Dano, the, the drunk guy, he's an amazing actor. <laughs> and he was brilliant in it. I love him. Julie said college is where they, I've obviously had been watching the Three Stooges a bit. Mm. I just made them these ridiculous caricature puppets. And it's so nice. It's so fun. Yeah. And they talk, and it's lovely, and and <laughs> oi vey, yeah, and um, <laughs> prank week, pancake. <laughs> I mean, what, what's what's not to love? And I think that is one of the best, one of the best like comedy horrors easily because it's just it's just a fun film, you know. It's a great film. It doesn't take itself seriously, and I really oh, like, yeah. I love that one. Yeah, it's great. But I guarantee no one listening to this has seen it. <laughs> no, probably not. Rob's looking a bit blank. Well. Yeah, I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There's a lack of these kind of silly, fun, cartoony horrors, which I think yep. is a shame these days. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I just we're at the we're at the point at the moment where I think after Insidious, everyone started to just try and top each each other for um, jump scares. And that sort of yeah. tone. All the horror films have the same tone nowadays. I'm not boning. I mean, I'm old and, you know, I'll go all... <laughs> Back in the day, I used to watch the Hammer films. They're amazing. But mm. um, they're all the same. I mean, when I was a yeah. kid growing up, you used to get a VHS and it'd, it'd be like a film from Italy or a film from, you know, Canada. Yeah. And Those they're all different. Italians. Well, they did some brilliant stuff in the late 70s. Oh, right. Their giallo uh, genre is... Yeah. That's something else, isn't it? That's that's also died a death. I think Saw's to blame for it, really. Yeah, I think people people confuse like people just don't have atmosphere anymore. They go for the jump scare and the and the. Um, I think they know, start the in the wrong place from. when they're planning it. I think if you go back to the noughties, you have like Saw and uh, the Ring and the Grudge. They were trying to work yeah. out. Oh my god, what's the scariest thing we can possibly think of? A dead girl. Yeah. Oh, like a, a whole, like a ghost, a ghost girl, a ghost little boy, and then with a, with a big mouth. Yeah, <laughs> always got, well, got a massive mouth. Oh, this is scary. Yeah. He's got a slightly distorted mouth. Oh my yeah. god, what was the trailer recently? Was it the boy, <laughs> the boy two, the boy two? And it did it, and it was yeah. we laughed out loud. Yeah. Ridiculous. And everything's grey. Everything's always grey, isn't it? Oh yeah, everything's grey. I am a huge fan of eighties horror, and I collect it. Oh, I've got all sorts of absolutely. But the the. the the fact that they were making the stuff with, um, you know, foam rubber and you had people like Tom Savini come up with stuff and, you know, it's just, there was a lot of creativity then. And I think that people obviously made it for money as well as just, you know, the love of the genre, but it certainly had a bit more variety to it. I think it's just got a bit, you know, all samey at the moment. Well, there's no, not so much of a need for specialists like Tom Savini anymore, is there, I suppose? You know, CGI killed that all off. And we're yeah, trying to change that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I like you guys because you you're not afraid to stick a puppet up, and I think that's great. You know, I think the, the Gravedigger puppet was brilliant. Oh, fantastic! Thank you. Oh, thank you. 
31 Days of Horror, that's that was just very funny indeed. And the thing is that horror and comedy go hand in hand anyway. Oh, yeah. Because they're both sort of primal reactions, aren't they? So, But it's the same with um, uh, sex and horror as well. It's all it's all interlaced, really. I, I like practical effects. I think I think CGI looks fake. Yeah, it's, it's nice to uh, it's, be scared of something you can touch or you feel like can touch you. Not something that's yeah. just an image. We did a take on it on our first 31 Days of Horror and a friend of mine was messaging me about it and asked him whether I'd seen the sequel, which I haven't. Um, mm. And he sent me a clip. And then, if you're not worried about spoilers, just watch this. Honestly, the CGI, it looked like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> really? It was like this, this sort of naked grandma going... <laughs> yeah, it's and too it fluid. Looks, it just looks like a cartoon. Yeah. That's the problem is, is is that your brain your brain's that clever it can pick up on the slightest thing that's not right. Yeah. And well, I, in know, response it, I showed him a clip from Ash vs. the Evil Dead with a with the old grandma in the first episode. And it was like, oh, that's <laughs> great. On a TV budget, they did something much, much scarier. Yeah, Evil Dead's fantastic. That was a good series actually. Really enjoyed that one. Yeah. Well Evil Dead's a big a big part of our backstory. It's part of us. You can tell. Yeah. You can tell. Um, <laughs> me and What's Rob your favourite one? Oh, two. absolutely two. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well done. <laughs> <laughs> the series is fantastic. Like, yeah, it goes great. so far. Yeah, the things they do in that morgue. <laughs> yeah, the morgue and the sperm <laughs> donation. Oh. Yeah, I remember the morgue scene. That was rough. That was definitely rough. <laughs> that was upsetting. Yes, it was. It was a good series. Uh, um, it ended is, abruptly. Is the only issue that was that was a shame. Yeah, that was a shame. But it was on Stars, wasn't it? So you're not going to get the viewers. No, the Stars. But two's brilliant. Yeah. It's groundbreaking, and and the effects are amazing, and the whole thing is just non-stop for eighty odd minutes. It's great. Yeah. No, it's it's. Uh, in fact, when we filmed Quaggers, we got all the cast together and watched Evil Dead Two. Yeah, um, and the, I think it did leave an impact. I think yeah, it's uh, great. Blake, he played, he played Dan. Definitely took it away with him. I think the thing that that's, that's a remake of Number One. Still yes. to this day, they think that that's a remake, and it's not. It's a direct sequel. If you, I mean, if you chop them together, it's the same film. It carries on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it sort of sort of glosses over the uh, first film in the beginning, as they yeah. all do. But um, no, it's it's a complete. So yeah, me and me and Rob met at college, and we got talking because we both shared that we love Evil Dead, mm. and that was how we started working together. And me and Josh, who's our uh, production designer, we were up one night watching films on Film Four, or whatever, and watched the first Evil Dead, and it completely yeah. blew our minds. Like, what is this? We could make <laughs> something like this. Well, anyone could if they got. It's, it's more about the imagination, isn't it? Oh, he had no money at all when he did that. Some of it was shot in his garage and stuff. You know? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Massively digressing. <laughs> That's all good. It's nice to just have a chat. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I won't uh, take too much more of your time. I mean, so the album. Tell yeah. us about the new album and where to get it. Well, the album is called Groovy Murder Disco. Um, I was talking to someone on Twitter about horror films and we were talking about the Friday the 13th 3D mm. uh, music, the introduction music, which is kind of 
bizarre because you've got this like orchestral stuff for one and two and number three is like this funky disco track <laughs> yeah. yes. which is awesome and we loved yeah. it and everyone, everyone loves that song anyway um but the album kind of is harking back to the 70s and 80s the sort of era of disco music when disco was cool and horror films were trying to be cool so their soundtracks had a lot of disco type music on it mm-hmm. um so i've tried to sort of recreate that vibe but doing it with synthwave which is like a retro 80s dance music that's really popular at the moment you've got artists like yes. gunship and the midnight and people like that and so i've tried to make a modern version of what a 70s and 80s horror film soundtrack ah. would sound like if it was that type mm. of film well it's different <laughs> isn't it yeah yeah i, mean, I the, think um, it works though but listening to it i mean you can sort of hear a story developing i find i've had it going on <laughs> it's been my shower album a little <laughs> that's bit recently. Cool. so i've just sort of had it and thinking yeah that, that works i like the um the remixes and stuff you put on there as well yeah well, the extended ones and uh, yeah, yeah, and the there's, and stuff. the lo-fi. There's a lo-fi one which changes yes. from Dead and Buried, I think it is, and it changes it from War of the Worlds to Halloween. It gives it a John yeah. Carpenter vibe, I find. Um, yes, really awesome. that's a weird one because the lo-fi mix was the first take, and I'd finished it, and I went back and I did like a different version of it, um, and I forgot about it, and I found it again. I thought well, actually that's pretty good, <laughs> and then you you messaged me and said, I really like that lo-fi mix. And that was going to be like just one that was forgotten about. Um, so I put it actually on the album because I thought, well, you know what you're talking about. So <laughs> I, put it, I actually included it on the main album um, and I dropped the other version because I didn't like that as much. So, yeah, because I, I nearly didn't put that one out at all. Some people, a lot of people have all different favourites. It's really weird how people, like you put a song out and you think, oh, that'd be really popular. Mm. And then that one just, no one mentions it ever again you know it's, it's weird <laughs> so yes so we can find the album on Bandcamp yeah it's on all the streaming we've got Spotify ah, okay, um, cool. Amazon Music iTunes a lot uh, so you can just stick in your Halloween playlist and have a little dance to it it's quite cool it's different <laughs> if Absolutely. the thing is I can't really dance I mean when I was doing Halloween albums years ago you couldn't really dance to them so you couldn't do anything other than put them on the background yeah. on Halloween night. Um, so I've really tried to make something that people can actually listen to this year. Ah, fantastic. Well, that's really good. So Groovy Murdered Disco by Sam Haynes. Look it up. Find it wherever you normally look for music, I suppose. And give it a go. You might enjoy it. Synthwave is an insipid genre. It does get into people's heads. Oh, we listen to it all the time now at well, work, don't we? It gets us for our week. I've been a massive fan for years, and now... It's stretched to you. Yeah, big time. Um, yeah, it's on commercial. There's a couple of people I know as well who I just play stuff to and they go, oh, oh, oh I quite like that. It's, it's retro, but it sounds fresh. It's mm-hmm. got a lot going for it. I really like Synthwave. It's, it's got nice emotions with it. They, they really know how to sort of capture the vibe, especially Gunship, who are just amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They play off the, the retro vibe a lot. The one with um, Tech Noir with John Carpenter doing the narration. Yes, that's, that stands out. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you. It's been a lovely chat. Cheers.
I hope you have a happy Halloween, guys. And now from Groovy Murder Disco, we've got Contagion featuring Gary Bennett. Get it on Bandcamp, Spotify, or wherever else. The element of suspense is giving an audience information. Now, you and I are sitting here. Suddenly a bomb goes off. Up we go, blown to smithereens. What have the audience had watching this scene? Five or ten seconds of shock. Now, we do the scene over again. 
But we tell the audience there's a bomb underneath this table and it's going to go off in five minutes. Now this innocuous conversation about football becomes very potent. They say, don't talk about football, there's a bomb under there. That's what they want to tell us. Then their anxieties will be as long as that clock ticks away. This image of myself holding hands with a really cute guy driving along some pretty road. It's never about going anywhere, really. It's having some sort of freedom, I guess. Okay, you awake? What are you are not gonna believe me, and I need you to remember what I'm saying. This thing. It's gonna follow you. Somebody gave it to me, and I passed it to you. Wherever you are, it's somewhere walking straight for you. All you can do is pass it along to someone else. It follows. It certainly does. This is a film I watched years ago. Uh, with I think it was with Josh on a on a sort of. B-movie night, and we ended up absolutely loving this film. I've been banging on about it ever since. It follows as a kind of a retro throwback film. It's It looks like Halloween or even Nightmare on Elm Street. It's got that kind of look and atmosphere about it, and yet is so modern. I love it. And it's an original as well. Um, and, uh, you know, like you said, yeah, like the soundtrack, it's a very synthy soundtrack. It's got that 80s vibe going on, but then... Uh, so many smatterings of different kind of technologies and cars from all kinds of decades. You couldn't, you kind of can't place where exactly you are with it. It's just this sort of omnipresent film that's just everywhere and nowhere at the same time. It's um, it's a film that I, in fact, I think it was recommended to me by uh, by someone who we were walking through London and someone was behind us and she just turns to me and says you seen it follows because i'm really freaking out right now oh my god <laughs> uh it plays on primal fears that something's behind you um and will never stop and the concept of it is so terrifying when you think of this this entity that's somewhere out there coming for you yeah and to the amount of paranoia it would instill in you because you could look around a crowd and you could see someone walking in your direction and you'd think, is that it? Or is that just a person walking past me? Mm, yeah. And that happens one, once or twice in the film. And it just plays on your paranoia and your fear. So yes, yeah, really, really great concept. It's uh, written and directed by David Robert Mitchell. Uh, this was based on recurring nightmares of his as a child. The, the sexual element came later, obviously. Um, but yeah, 2014... It's described as a supernatural psychological horror film. Yeah. Mm, it's definitely supernatural. Is it psychological? Um, I mean, no, it's, it's fear and it's paranoia, like we said, but um, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't stamp it with that uh, with psychological. Yeah, I suppose it's quite hard to place. It's floaty and it's kind yes. of like um, it's kind of like a dream. It's very much like a dream. In fact, there's bits in it follows where it feels like it reminds me of childhood in a sort of nostalgic way. There's scenes where Jay is just quietly laying blades of grass on her knee. Yeah. And I sort of remember doing that as a kid, you know? Just little things like um, just getting lost in herself. So, she I mean, that's her her moments of solace and solitude within her head within the movie when, it, when it's not there mm. is when she does these things. She's kind of so exhausted by the constant fear that she's doing these childlike things. Yeah, she's even doing it before the fear. There's bits when she's just playing with a flower on a date. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, and she's just sort of just floating around. She's a very floaty person. Um, so the film stars Michael Monroe as Jay, named after Jamie Lee Curtis. Little Halloween reference there. Um, I'm a big fan of Michael Monroe. I've said it before. In various things. The guest, she's in that, she's great. Yeah, she's brilliant. Uh, and this, she's she plays that kind of innocence being exposed to the outside world. The film itself is very, it's coming of age, I think. Yeah. She's going on her first date. Um, and is it her first, is she losing her virginity? I don't, I don't know. don't know, actually. Doesn't really specify of that. No. I suppose the point is she's on a first date. Yeah. Uh, and while she's on it, she was on a date with Hugh. Uh, played by Jake Weary, where they go to a theatre, and while they're watching the film, he just looks over his shoulder and... And straight away, he's pulling her out of the theatre. Yeah. Well, they end up in, a, in the back of his car in sort of an abandoned wasteland, uh, and they have naughty times. Fun, naughty, consensual times. Uh, which is all well and good, and as Jay is kind of sitting there talking about the dreams she used to have of going on a nice date with a nice boy. He gets up behind her and he puts the thing on her mouth. Puts the thing on her mouth. Chloroform and and she falls asleep. So this is the point in most films of that sort where you're thinking this guy's got a really, Mm. really sinister, horrible motive. Oh no, she's going to end up in the basement. Yeah. Um, but he, she's taken to kind of an abandoned tower block, come on, like, ruined building. So she's still basically naked and tied to a wheelchair. Yes. Which is worrying. Red flag. Well, red flag, red flag. Um, and then all of a sudden she's having instructions and things told to her that mm. are horrific. This thing. It's going to follow you. Somebody gave it to me, and I passed it to you, back in the car. It could look like someone you know, or it could be a stranger in a crowd. Whatever helps it get close to you. It can look like anyone, but there's only one of it. Hugh explains that there's something coming to get them and it will never stop and it will always walk very slowly, never runs, just walks towards you and if it touches you, you're dead. Mm. And to explain it, he wheels her over to the edge of the the ruin, whatever, uh, and we see a naked woman 
shuffling closer. Yeah. And he waits, and he, as the creature comes close, he explains these rules, explains that you can never go near it, and the only way to pass the demon onto someone else and stay alive is to have sex. Yeah. And pass it up the chain. And uh, a detail that a lot of people seem to forget, if you have the demon following you and you die, it goes back to the last person. Yeah. It comes back down the chain. It's got some very, a very specific set of rules. And, I, you know, I like that in a horror movie. Yes, though. I like specific rules as well, yes. Mm. Um, so, um, she's freaked out. She, he, Hugh leaves Jay on her front lawn. The police are called. They're in terror. They're asking her about her experience. They're asking her if she was raped. And she was like, no, he didn't hurt me at all. He, And this is one of those rare things where straight from the off, she tells them exactly what... Uh, what was said to her. Mm. And they're like, what, what a horrible, freaky thing to say. Why did he say that? Um, and her friends and her sister are around her and they want to sort of make sure she's okay. And then shortly after, she's in a house and the window smashes. Is that the next time or is it the school? The school? Um... No, it's the school. Yeah, so it's at first everyone kind of dismisses it. Um, and we get that scene that's in all of the 80s horrors. Uh, Friday the 13th. Not Friday the 13th, sorry. I need all that. Halloween, uh, I always I knew what you did last summer. All of that's good stuff. Stream even referenced it, where she sat at her desk and she looks out the window, and there's a creepy old lady walking towards her. Hello. Horrible, horrible. And this keeps happening. Um, and she she realizes then that as she's running through the halls of the school, that no one else can see her. Yeah. It's terrifying, and it's still coming. There's a moment when she gets in the car to leave. And the camera just slowly zooms on this this creature that's coming towards her. And it's great. And from there, so Jay and her friends, when they believe her, it's interesting that they do believe her because it does just look like she's gone mad, um, kind of work together to try and save her and keep her alive. They go on the run, they go to a, a lake cabin, it, and it just keeps coming towards them. I like, with these kind of films, like, oh, I... I wasn't as terrified as I normally was, being the massive wimp that I am, but they're kind of bits where uh, you kind of go, um, like uh, the when they're in the house. And um, so this thing, it can be it can be any appearance. It can be someone you know. It can be someone you don't know. It's kind of a shape-shifting um, in its essence. And um, she, when she's in the house and the window smashes and it breaks in the first time, it's a horrible... A mostly naked woman, uh, yeah, I, weeing it's weeing herself. Yeah, I, is that supposed to be the girl at the beginning? I don't think so. Because I always got the vibe that it was former victims. Oh, but but then, uh, but then that doesn't pan yeah, out doesn't later. Materialize, yeah. And then she goes upstairs. Um, someone's trying to get in the door. They eventually, like, and we were friends. Yeah. They're saying, "Just let her in. Just let her in." And um, she lets him in. <laughs> and then the big guy comes in. And it freaked me the hell out. That's one of my favourite little lo- horror moments. I kind of yelped and laughed at the same time because <laughs> it was so like, oh my God. What is that? Yeah. Uh, it's it's got these little moments where it builds the suspense up and then suddenly it happens. Mm. And it does it, I think, really well. Like, that's a really good scene. There's also, there's, there's, in, there's a weird thing that, this is why another reason I think of it is like summer holidays. You never see the parents. I think there's a glimpse or two of of the mum. Yeah. But the, there's there's something hinted that the dad maybe was an abuser or something because at one point Jay turns to her sister Kelly and says, 
I think I saw him. It was shaped like him. Ugh. And she's and Kelly's not happy about it. And there's one point when they drive out, and it's on the bloody roof. There's knob out. It's a naked man a on the naked roof. Man out on the roof. What was he knob doing out. on the roof? How did he get on the roof? Surely, I mean, I would have thought his basic, yeah, his basic rule, right, is go for the person, yeah, and get him. Um, so I'm assuming there would have been some silly Mister Magoo-esque <laughs> route, like he walked up a haystack and then across a wall and then up a rake that was lent diagonally and then ended up on the roof and then just yeah, it's very. Why is that the most direct? Why is it up there? <laughs> it's very silly. But um, yeah, they add, they start to, as a group, they start to work out ways of defeating the creature. Um, they realise they can shoot it, although it's not permanent. It mm. gets back up again. And it bleeds um, as well. It bleeds, yeah. And without going to spoilers, I think it's a fantastic film, but I do think the ending is a bit weird. The trouble is with a lot of ideas like this, and I've had problems with this when I've written stuff before, mm. is that you can come up with a really good idea, but ending it is really hard. Yeah. With it, with this, the, the, so what do we know? It's um, all we know is it keeps going. It's invincible, and the only way to to get rid of it is to pass it on to the next person. There's no, I mean, you'd have to dig really deep and try extremely hard to find a really good trick to be like oh that's how they do it and you you know be like, oh wow that's a really fascinating way that they figured that out um which they which i don't think they did do in this film well what i mean without saying what it is that they try and do to defeat it the big climax it just feels because they are i mean we see throughout the film they're drinking beer they're hanging out all night i get the vibe they're 18 right yeah that sounds about right to 20 nothing more than that anyway uh, nothing less than that either, because they can all drive, all that stuff. Uh, and yet the plan they come up with feels like something the Goonies would think of. <laughs> yeah, it does. Or, or Stranger Things even. That mm. kind of uh, group of kids, what have we got around us? But what they're a bit too old for that. Yeah, it's not really based on anything. When the kids in Stranger Things come up with something, it's because they've been kind it's of... Because something's happened. Something yeah, out. yeah. In fact... Watching it at one point, uh, someone came in while halfway through watching it. I mean, what what are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> and just got just hated the film because they saw the, just that bit. Mm. It's a bit, it's a bit of a shame. But the very ending, it leaves it very dubious. There's this constant simpery. Uh, Paul kind of follows Jay like a lost puppy throughout the film, and in the end, he kind of gets his way, but no one's happy about it. No, everyone's miserable. Yeah. And there's a hint that he didn't even do the thing he was going to do anyway. Yeah, he was quite... Um, he wasn't a likeable character at all, um, the way he kind of yearned after Jay. Mm. Um, I, I liked... The, there's one bit which I kind of saw as when um, she's in the house and she tucks her feet under the blanket to kind of almost flirt with him and kind of... Yes. And you're wondering at that point, because this is kind of before the window smash, is she thinking... Well, I could just pass it on here. Is that just a complete indifference to him? That's uh, like, you know what? I wouldn't mind passing it on to him. It. I think there is an element of that. There's also there's this constant thing that they've been friends for years. Yeah. So it's, I just want things to be like when we used to have our sleepovers kind of thing. Right. But now we're adults. Now we have to. Now every action is flirtatious and sexy and yeah, 
And I think there's an element of that as well, that they're trying to be young, but they're a bit past it. And Jay especially, the implication is that she's lost her virginity and she's grown up out of it. Yeah. And now has this horrible STD demon that's chasing (laughs) her. Um, There's a bit as well when she goes on the... She finds some men on a boat. That's interesting. What was that? It's... I mean, when I saw it, I thought, okay, she's going to swim over to all of them and she's going to say, well, guys, dig in. Yeah. Um, and then she would have probably figured, all right, now I've got three guys who that, that uh, thing's going to have to get through and I get a nice big holiday from it. I thought that's what kind of her angle was there. But then the next scene, she's just driving with a wet cast and it's never revisited. I mean, maybe she did. And it, and it killed all and of them. And it killed all of them. Killed all of them, yeah. How uh, how do you feel about um, how do you feel about so we are invited to see exactly how the creature kills its prey um, mm-hmm. with one character who I, I, I won't actually mention the name because I don't want to spoil too much um, and like so it jumps him and then kind of mounts him and vaginas him to death. <laughs> Yes. Like, without, Does it suck his life yes. force out? He goes all white. Yeah. Um, and there's kind of juices and stuff going mm. on, um, which is fun, which I thought was... <laughs> yeah, it was a bit comical almost. Um, and she had a pants on. It was like dry humping. But um, I think the fact is it's touched him. It's touched him. So, yeah. that's, so it's doing it then. Yeah, but it, doing it in a really it horrible, a graphic way. way. And of course, um, at the very start of the movie, the first victim um, is lying on a beach with her leg broken in half yeah which i wonder if that's because it the leg was in the way of the demon and her right yeah and it just didn't stop so it just like like having your leg in a vice or something it just crunched awful, down on awful, it awful, awful. yeah it's uh it's a terrifying creature of course all they needed to do was throw paint on it yes and then you could see it coming but what do you mean but it's visible anyway yeah, but to everyone else. Yeah, because it can interact. Yeah, because that's oh, that's, that's worth I'm... that's worth saying. Only you or yeah. the people you slept with, uh, only people who've been affected by the demon can see the demon. Yeah, so it would really help if everyone else could see it, and then they'd be like, oh, "Okay, you're not crazy." Yeah, and then Cut. they could probably tell enough people, and then they could lock it up. And all you have to do, right, is have a door, you behind it, and a pot of paint on it. Yeah, sploosh. Opens the door, sploosh. You go, police, shoot it. <laughs> exactly. Also, it goes through doors. It doesn't go through walls. No. So, it's a completely solid. I would imagine it would have some sort of re-teleportation power, power after a while if it gets stuck in one place. Because I'm sure it, it's a very flawed demon. <laughs> yeah. Because <there's, laughs> yeah. you can imagine it walking along and then it falls into a bloody open sewage drain. And then it's stuck there. It's well, got... it just keep walking until it goes out. The... But it's out... like walking to a wall. Yeah, no, go out the outflow. Because it is intelligent. It's yeah. not It's not like a robot drone so, Okay, you. so to round it off, would my strategy of just literally digging a pit and making it fall in and making it not climb outable and then sealing, well, the, sealing the pit, that's what I'd do. Yeah. And then have a twist of, oh my God, it can teleport when it gets too horny. Oh, there's more than one. There's more than one. Oh, that's... Scary, actually. <laughs> also, yeah, if... So, it catches you. You die. Right? right. It goes down the chain. Yeah. It catches them. They die. It catches the next person. They die. It catches the next person. They die. It catches the next person. They die. Keep going on. 
Eventually, you'll get to someone who died of natural causes. Yeah. What did it do then? Died before it got to him. Yeah. Would it go back to the last person, the last... So the last person that they... The last victim... So they'll jump down to the person they banged before that. Yeah, that's what I mean. If you keep going down... Mm. Say this demon's been around for 500 years. Yeah. After 10 victims, they're going to start being old, aren't they? Then after that, they're going to start being dead. Oh, I see what I mean. Yeah. Okay. And maybe that's the way to kill it. You just... Shag stop, an old person. Stop oh, no, being wait. selfish. I'm doing what? And just let yourself... Just let, let yourself it, die, yeah. Let it work its way yeah. down until it's... Until it's gone. Okay. Does it just evaporate? How annoyed would you be if, like, you're knocking the door and say, "Ah, oh, Adam, you're uh, you're one of the you're one of the guys." Mm. And you're like, oh, what what guys? You're one of the guys that the creature needs to yeah. kill. We need to get to the end of the chain. So, if you want to just <laughs> just sit over there, you send a Terminator. Don't even ask the question. Send the Terminator. Adam Tyler. Yes. Bang. All right, fair enough. And wipe out all the Adam Tylers on the on the phone box. Phone box. Phone book. <laughs> Nice, okay. There you go, fixed. Beautiful. Okay, we've solved it, Follows. We've solved it, everyone. But yes, I bloody love this film. I love the soundtrack. Uh, I still listen to the soundtrack quite regularly when I go on walks, because I'm a weirdo. Uh, How do you feel? I think it's really, really good. I wouldn't quite put it in the Hall of Fame, um, but this is your... This is your party. This is your film. <laughs> um, this is your. This is this is one of your much loved movies. So I I'll think leave it up to you. This is the best film of the last, or best of its type in yeah. the last ten years. I'd say I love it. I'd put it in my own personal hall of fame. You, you can put it in if you want. Do where, we have to where, mutually agree. Is where, that the rule? Yeah. Okay. Where Michael Monroe is always welcome. The invite's open. <laughs> nice. Adam's Spooky Halloween Film Reviews, The Slumber Party Massacre, 1982. The basketball team is planning a party. A slumber party to bear their souls. I know, I think your tits are getting bigger. Mine? All the girls are coming, except Mary and Linda. And they won't be missed. The party begins at 8 o'clock. It's a slumber party for old time's sake. Love it too. Do you think I'm getting better? (laughs) But be on the lookout for an uninvited guest. Please, please. When the pizza arrives, things really start jumping. Some people may have to leave early. But others will hang around. And hang around. You're underage. Negative. Let's go. You're not going to eat that dead guy's pizza. 
I feel better already. Really, I do. Written by Rita May Brown and directed by Amy Holden-Jones, The Slumber Party Massacre was conceived as a parody of the classic scary guy of a hard-on versus promiscuous but otherwise innocent teenage girls, but ended up being shot as a straight bog-standard horror. The irony being that this sets The Slumber Party Massacre aside as a film that's way beyond its time in terms of ironic dark humour. But let's not get ahead of ourselves just yet. Introducing Trish, played by Michelle Michael, as an 18-year-old high schooler who decides to host the slumber party for old time's sake while her parents are away. Joining her are her fellow basketball teammates Kim, Jackie and Diane, with a load of stolen alcohol and a big old bag of classic American marijuana. Little do the girls know that following their every move is the psychotic mass murder of Russ Fawn, played by Michael Viola. Recently escaped from prison, Russ wields a power drill like a big old phallus, first killing a telephone repair woman and stealing her van before setting his sights on the teenage girls. One by one, the girls scatter during the night, meeting boys, fetching beer, and begin to get picked off one by one. Eventually, the girls are joined by two boys, Jeff and Neil, who are caught peeking on the girls as they change clothes and trying to scare them. Things take a drastic turn after the girls order pizza, only for the delivery man to be murdered and pushed through the open door. In no time at all, Trish and her friends are fighting for their lives, only to be saved by Trish's neighbour and new girl at school, Val, played to perfection by the late Robin Style. As Val confronts the killer, it becomes a fight to the death against the penis-wielding, I I mean drill-wielding man. You know what? The Slumber Party Massacre, despite its on-the-nose title, is surprisingly fun. You could say this film is scream before scream. It's laced with tropes and cliches, but lampshades it every time and does it with a smirk. As I mentioned in my introduction, this film was meant as a parody. And indeed, the desperately unsubtle killer, doing his best as a stand-in for the iconic Billy in Black Christmas, isn't all that frightening, but does exactly what he needs as a figure of evil. It's just a shame he didn't wear a mask. This film, well, the trilogy this film belongs to, is well regarded as a cult classic among slasher fans, and it's easy to see why. Straightforward, uncompromising in its message, and with a handful of awesome effects and visual gag. It's easily one of my favourite spooky watches so far this month. It's on Amazon Prime too, so give it a go if you want some schlocky slasher fun. And that reminds me, I need to check if the sequels are on there too. The Slumber Party Massacre. Close your eyes for a second and sleep forever. They came to party. They came from outer space. But for these unhappy campers... Just put this thing on. Things are about to get slimy. If you go down to the woods today, you'd better keep an eye out for... Quaggers. They're mean. They're insane. And they're everywhere. And they've got an appetite for naughty campers. Starring... Jody Bennett, Bailey Pillbeam, Isabel Albert, and Blake Aiden. Quaggers! They're everywhere. We are not going back in that tent. What 
it now at hollowdellmedia.bhx.tv. And that was the show, Rob. That was the show. What a journey we have had. And um, now it is time to get into the thick of October <laughs> and get ready for Halloween. Absolutely. We have got a long, big month ahead of us. You might be able to tell we're already we're already a bit tired. There's plenty we've done already. And we've got the, obviously, we've got the Holodell Media podcast Halloween special. The big one. The big one. The Horrodell Media special fourth, six. I don't know what episode it is. But yes. So yeah, that's going to be crazy. Um, I don't know what we're going to do yet. Um, obviously, the last two years we've done improv. But which is a... a Thing we must continue, I'm afraid. <laughs> By then we'll be manic and weird and tired and probably ill. Mm. But it's all good fun. Uh, we've also got the Gravedigger update. Um, yeah. That's that's the whole <laughs> shebang. Um, so thank you so much to Sam Haynes again. Thank you for joining us. That was awesome. Um, if you want to hear some spooky, spooky horror music, then check him out on Bandcamp, Spotify, and all the other things he's probably on. Groovy Murder Disco is his new album. Check it out. It's great. Uh, yeah. Yes. Great stuff. Um, please uh, follow us on Instagram on, uh, ins- on at, uh, Holodale Media. <laughs> Very good. And Twitter. Uh, Twitter. And um, if you want to become a Patreon, head over to www.patreon.com slash Holodale Media for our exclusive Naughty Naughty Sweary Hollowdale Media podcast. Uh, the last one we've did was definitely a classic. So uh, this is a good time to join. Absolutely. We also look out for behind the scenes photos and updates as well. If you do like our stuff, please consider supporting us. Uh, also check out uh, Spreadshirt. We've got a Spreadshirt for some stuff. We can add some new things to that. Uh, yeah, loads of things. Loads of things. And we will keep on for this month delivering to you the fan, the listener, the viewer. Yes, indeed. Okay, great. See you all in a fortnight, everyone. And... Oh, keep no! Keep chewing those what's I need a new one. Keep... It's your one. It's your turn. Keep picking them pumpkins. Keep picking them pumpkins. You're going to make your pumpkin pie this year? Yes. Yay. <laughs>